Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC, discussing your life as a medical coder, offering coding tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Monday. Hello, welcome to the show. My name is Jennifer McNamara, and we are, of course, here at the Life as a Coder podcast series. We are so excited to have you here as a listener. Our program, of course, is brought to you from your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance. And our goal, as always, is to bring you those timely industry topics in the field of health information management, as well as our tips for work-life balance. If you are a first-time listener, we welcome you and thank you for listening today. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We can be found on several podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, and many others. Our disclaimer, as always, is that our podcast is not to be taken as legal or professional advice. It's based on our years of experience in the coding and billing industry, and our goal is to share with you what we've learned and why we love this industry. Today's topic is very important, especially in the billing worlds. It's something that I deal with every day, and that's LCD policies. So are you following LCD policies? It's episode four. Let's talk about it. So what is an LCD policy? Many of you might be aware of them. Maybe your NCDs and national coverage determination. Well, LCDs are those local coverage determinations that are created by a Medicare administrative contractor or a MAC carrier. Now, many of you, of course, may be aware that these jurisdictions are put out and, of course, labeled. They have maps. They have information out there that tell you what states are part of which region. So I'm in Arkansas. I'm in the JH Novitas area. Uh, you also have Palmetto. Uh, you have First Coast in Florida. Uh, you have CGS, WPS. Uh, WPS takes in some of those Midwestern states and some of the Northern states. Noridian, of course, um, has two different areas, the JE region and the JF region. So several states take in that as well. Uh, so just of course, be aware that these jurisdictions um, do update. And so you want to be aware of that. And so, of course, if you work in the office or professional fee coding, you're billing for your Part B, right? So they have the AB MAC jurisdiction. So that's what you want to look for. If you're billing for DME, you want to look for those particular MAC designations. That's what we're, we want to focus on. But today we're going to talk about the importance of those policies and why we need them. And of course, how to use them. It's very important when we, of course, discover that a procedure we're going to be performing has a policy that we understand how to properly interpret how to use it. And I always like to say, let's go right to the source. So my source for where I live is the Novitas website. So I'm going to go to Novitas and I'm going to go on the far left-hand side. Whatever website you use, there usually is a navigation bar, kind of leads you through how to find things. So I'm going to go to the home button under my medical policies and LCDs on my Novitas website. And our website here in Novitas region, they have a lot of great information. Um, they have t- policy tools. They have information on how to find policies. So you can type in the search criteria. Proposed policies, open meetings, um, and the contractor advisory committee, all the information you need for that. The process that goes through and all kinds of information, contact information as well. So for me, you know, when I'm looking at a policy, a lot of times I'm using my internal software. My EMR has usually buttons that link me to an LCD policy for a procedure that I'm looking at. 
or my encoder. I use Encoder Pro, and if I type in a procedure code off to the right, it usually gives me a little button. If there is a policy, it will populate. So it's a nice user-friendly way to navigate. But anytime you're doing any procedure, it's always a good idea to get organized. So if you're billing for orthopedics, if you're billing for total joints, if you're billing for ophthalmology, cataracts, uh, other types of procedures, if you're billing for pain management, if you're billing for plastics and cosmetics, there are so many policies out there. So the first thing I like to do is I like to get on there and see what is proposed. So I'm going to click on my proposed LCDs and I'm going to see about, of course, these upcoming proposed LCD policies. And what I'm seeing for our region, of course, things having to do with allergy testing, cataract extraction, epidural procedures for pain management. So that's something that's on our mind right now whenever we're doing that. Of course, they also have plastics and cosmetics. Now, one item that I know I have to use every day uh, was updated this year was for colonoscopies and those uh, endoscopy procedures. So if I was looking for a particular one, I would go to my active LCDs and I would look for those. Now, active LCDs, you're going to see a lot more options. These are currently active ones that you have to be aware of. If it's proposed, of course, it's not really active, but it's it's in the works, right? You can also look at retired LCDs. If you're trying to confirm that you had one in the past, you want to see if it's still a policy and what the current policy is, maybe. If it's retired, they may have made a new policy and revised or updated information. So when I'm going into my policies, I'm looking for actual uh, policies, right? So I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to find a particular one that I'm looking for. One that I use every day that I will highlight today, of course, is the, the policy on um, the routine foot care. So let's talk about that one. So when I look at my routine foot care policy, I see that policy L35138 is for routine foot care. I will tell you, most likely all MAC carriers are going to have a policy because it is statutorily excluded from Medicare. And so when we do have the ability to bill it with certain criteria, then of course we wanna look at our local MAC carriers to see what their guidance is. Now the policy that I'm looking at, of course, um, was revised in 2019. Uh, but then again, when I look at the policy, what I'm looking for is items such as what is covered, what's not covered. I want to read the fine print. I want to know what coverage guidelines there are, what conditions does the patient need to have, and what conditions are excluded. I want to educate my providers. I want them to understand because it's not about billing to get it paid. It's about billing what's documented. We can't go beyond what's documented, but we can educate our providers and help them to see that if they were to document and the patient did actually have a medically necessary reason to have it, then of course it'll be paid. We don't want to be ordering procedures that are not going to be covered. Now, because routine foot care is statutorily excluded from Medicare, that means it's not required for you to ask for an ABN form. That advanced beneficiary notice that we're required to get if we're going to bill the patient. We can bill the patient for routine foot care because it's statutorily excluded. But when we do bill Medicare for it and we expect to get paid from Medicare, that's what we're talking about here. We want to make sure we understand the local coverage determination. So the very bottom of the article, um, I'm sorry, the, the LCD policy, it's going to have a little A for article number. And that's the one you want. So you want the article number. So for routine foot care, the article is A52996. And that, of course, is what I'm focusing on today is I'm focusing on that article because that really tells me the information I need. It tells me the modifiers that are applicable uh, to these coverage guidelines. It tells me 
the groups. So for these procedure codes in group one, uh, it tells me that for group one, the diagnosis codes that are appropriate. It will also tell me things like if there is a primary diagnosis needed and then what the secondary diagnosis should be. Those are items that I need to be aware of. Some MAC carriers will tell you, okay, yes, this has to be your primary code. Others will say this is the secondary code that has to be there. So it really just depends on your policy and how they interpret that. Let's look at another one. Let's look at another policy that we use most often. Most of you are probably aware that many physicians do these benign lesion excisions. It doesn't matter where who you work for, a lot of physicians actually do this. You have general surgeons, you may have orthopedic physicians. Some of them may actually get in here and they may do these excisions, shavings of lesions, um, if possible. So what we're looking at is these policies for the different types. And so the policy name is L34938. And this is, of course, a local coverage determination for Novitas, updated in 2019. And so this particular, of course, policy they're telling me is covered for the shaving of lesions, the excision of lesions, destruction. So yes, several physicians may get into the skin. They may have to remove lesions, uh, benign lesions at some point. Could be a dermatologist, like I said, general surgeon. Could be different providers that do these things. So we want to be aware of how to, of course, do this. So you want to read the covered indications. You need to read what they cover it for and the limitations. That is also very important. It will also reference the CMS IOM publication, the Internet Only Manual. It's their claims processing manual. It tells you the chapter, the section, and all of the things you need to know that will reference uh, the limitations for these procedures. It also gives you documentation requirements, very important, and it will lead you to that article, the A code that I told you about. So for these, the benign lesions, it's A57113. That article will give you all the coding information, like I mentioned. It's going to tell you what codes are applicable. So as we navigate to our article, A57113, we're going to go through there and we're going to look and in detail and look at some of these items. So in the group one paragraph, of course, it tells us all the codes that are applicable to that group. And then it has group two. So they have separation there. And what they're doing is they're separating certain procedures from others. So they're separating the shaving and the excision of certain procedures or certain lesions, destruction. Um, and then they're doing, they can, of course, separate those with other ones. So they want you to know you have groups. Group one and group two may or may not have the same or different diagnosis codes applicable. As you go down, you have what? Group three, you have group four, group five, group six, and so forth. And so now you have to link your diagnosis codes appropriately. Always make sure when you're looking at your policy, for instance, in group one, it tells us that the following CPT codes are associated with services that are outlined, will not have diagnosis limitations applied at this time. And it tells you the procedure codes that don't have uh, limitations. But they do tell you Medicare is establishing the limiting coverage for these procedure codes. And it tells you, okay, so for this policy, these group one codes, these are the diagnosis codes that are applicable. It may have several pages um, of codes. Do you want to be aware of that? You scroll down, it's going to tell you for group two codes. And above it, it will tell you which procedure codes are applicable to group two, which are applicable to group three, and so forth. So always make sure you're linking those appropriately. And as time goes on, as you're looking through coverage 
and you see these are frequently being denied, you're going to want to, of course, educate your provider. Being proactive, of course, is better. But of course, if you can't get that proactive approach in right away, make a list, um, give some information to your provider, let them know. These are the, the indications for this. Uh, and so we want to be aware of documentation. And of course, scheduling procedures for those indications would be appropriate. Have you heard? Now the CCS exam is available without restrictions. Now is a great time to jumpstart your coding career with one of the most popular certifications in the country. The majority of employers require a CCS credential, and at Ozark Coding Alliance, we're here to help you achieve this goal. Join our workshop this July for only $129 and earn five CEUs. You can register at ccscoder.com. One thing I always say is, you know, try not to think about this as a negative thing, because our goal, right, is to report medical necessity. And that's, of course, the reason that the E&M guidelines were updated, because it really needs to get back to the point, right? What is medically necessary for the patient to have? So much healthcare cost has been has increased because so many providers are, you know, ordering things that may or may not be medically necessary. Uh, and we've seen a lot of denials, a lot of audits come back for this reason. So we know the importance of medical necessity. It has to be there. So when it comes to medical necessity, let's focus on that. So when it comes to educating our providers, let's not focus on the billing aspect. This is, we need to put this, this diagnosis on this claim to get it paid. Let's bill based on what's documented, but let's make sure that we don't have to run into that. Make sure that what we're actually performing is medically necessary based on the clinical standards and of course, based on the policies if needed. Now, the policy itself is going to be mandated by the insurance company. So you may have to do a little research. You may have to do a little bit of education here to let your provider know, you know, yes, normally if they have abdominal pain, if you don't give me the exact quadrant, I might be able to get away with it with this provider, this payer just doesn't follow this. Um, but is it medically necessary? Get down to thinking about that. Is it medically necessary? For our EGDs and colonoscopies that recently were updated, we found out, uh, of course, quickly that a lot of the colonoscopies that were in the past being performed were not medically necessary by the payer standards because we saw the updates, right? Some of these diagnosis codes that were on there now for colonoscopies that historically we didn't have a policy for. So now we're having to educate our providers. And of course, specificity is very important. In the past, we didn't have that. Maybe some of our providers, they were giving us straight abdominal pain without the quadrant, right? And so we've had to educate them. We need the quadrant. We need specific documentation. Um, if you can tell us words like acute, chronic, with or without obstruction, bleeding, those things are very important. And give them the policy. Let them look at it. Let them see these are the covered indications. And more and more commercial payers are falling in line and having their own coverage guidelines. Payers like Blue Cross Blue Shield, Cigna, Aetna, United Healthcare, all may have criteria that you have to follow. So it's not just about CMS's LCD policies. It's about checking all your payer coverage guidelines, looking if there's a policy. What does a policy say? Are there certain diagnosis or certain conditions that are covered? Certain documentation requirements. That's very important. And as we've seen in some of these policies, a lot of times they do want you to give you the order specifically of the diagnosis code. You may have to have a specific primary code, a specific secondary tertiary code to get it covered and to get it paid. We've seen time and time again, audits come back where this isn't happening. We're still billing for things to get it paid that aren't documented. 
or we're trying to get around it uh, by getting an other specified code, even though it's not really applicable. The auditors and Medicare, your internal auditors, they are not ignorant. They are not dumb. They are seeing what we're doing. They're seeing what's happening when your your managers, your providers are asking you to kind of, uh, you know, kind of float this a little bit and uh, give them a, a generic code to get it covered. Not going to fly. We have to be specific. We have to code what is documented. And if it's documented, we're going to bill it. If it doesn't co- get covered, then we write it off, unfortunately. But we don't want that to happen, do we? We don't want to write off charges. We want our providers to get paid. So let's educate them. Let's give them the tools they need to be successful. Well, I do hope this was helpful information, understanding LCD policies. It's my favorite thing to talk about, of course, billing and coding, how it goes together. Remember, as billers and coders, we are a team. And if we are a biller and a coder, we already know why it's important. Because when we think about the billing guidelines and the coding guidelines, they go together. Billers have to understand certain things about coders and coders have to know things about billing. So we need to be cross-training, educating both areas if they work separately. Uh, So LCD policies are one area that coders and billers can work together and really uh, hone their skills. Now, one thing I wanted to point out uh, that's upcoming and new with the Life as a Coder podcast series, maybe you've been seeing and hearing all about our new program to offer CEUs for our podcast here at Life as a Coder. We are so excited to bring this program to you. Yes, the AAPC has approved certain CEUs to be, of course, available. It has to meet the criteria, of course, as the length for CEUs need to be uh, for a podcast or for any audio presentation. So anytime our podcast episode reaches over so many minutes, we are going to be requesting a CEU for that presentation. Today, of course, is a shortened version, a shortened episode. It's one of our our nice little uh, short episodes uh, for you. But stay tuned uh, in the future for future episodes on coding topics that we will be getting into deep with you and learning more about and offering CEUs. So we do recommend that you, of course, join our uh, patron accounts, join our patron membership. We have several options for you. So if you visit that, it's in the show notes, the link to get to that patron page and become a member. We have several tiers, uh, options for you to get bonus episodes, early access, free webinars, extra discounts on our events. So many things offered here at Life as a Coder. We hope you can join us for future episodes and join us for our future events. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode today on LCD policies and why they are so important. I always say that knowledge is power. Don't give up on coding. The knowledge you gain today will make you powerful tomorrow. This has been Jennifer McNamara with Life as a Coder. Thank you to our sponsors, Ozark Coding Alliance and our amazing podcast producer with Highland Productions, Gabriel Fast. Thank you and until next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Life as a Coder podcast series brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other coders, students, and professionals just like you. Come back every Monday for a new episode. We'll catch you then. Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Be sure to reference this podcast when you place your order.